welcome to The Straw Hat with Rabbi David Wolkenfeld and Rabbinate Goldie Guy. We are the official podcast of Anshe Shalom B'nai Israel Congregation, an Orthodox synagogue in the Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. We are recording Monday afternoon, May 9th. This is uh, the, first, the first spring day we've had, the first spring week we've had um, in... Uh, in many, many months of dreary weather, so that's really exciting. And it's an exciting time for the shul. A week from, uh, less than a week from today, on Sunday morning, Dr. Erica Brown is speaking at the shul. She's a really noted author and scholar and highly regarded Jewish professional and educator, uh, a real like celebrity, I think one of yeah. them, right? Um, <laughs> and our little shul is going to get to host her. Uh, that's really, really special. And that's thanks to the generosity of Adam and Libby Smoller, who are sponsoring this uh, shiur in memory of Adam's father, uh, the late uh, Charles Smoller. And uh, this is um, something to really look forward to. We're also trying to really make it as accessible for, for everyone. We have babysitting, and there's a kids program for younger kids. And just, Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, and there's brunch. Free free brunch, so register. You have to register for all of those things, the brunch and the kids programming, should that be applicable to you and your family? You don't have to register for the shoot. You want to show up at 10.30 for the lecture, just show up at 10.30 and yes. bring friends. If you have but a if child, you want brunch. If you want brunch, come earlier, yes. Shachrit, 8.30, and then brunch, and then right. the shiur. And Dr. Brown's topic is uh, boredom is so interesting, a Jewish perspective about monotony during covid Hmm. Do you remember uh, in the darkest days of COVID when uh, you would get very frustrated at me when I would say, I, I, I miss being lonely? <laughs> I'm still frustrated at you when you say that. Okay. Well, I, I yeah, that, that was... Um, well, it, we, whatever. We talked, I think we might have even talked about it on the podcast. It's very likely that yeah, we did. Yeah, about the, the tension <laughs> of like what, what uh, the different experiences of COVID and, and being kind of cut off from our normal... Uh, broader networks of interaction. It was, uh, boredom was nuts. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, so I, don't know, I have no idea if that's what she's speaking about, but uh, she's a really great no, no, speaker. No, 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 that's not what, I've, I've, I've heard this lecture. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what it's about. Um, so she's not going to touch on, on like the social isolation fine, piece, fine. I don't think. She's very, um, she's very worth coming to hear. I first heard her speak, um, I was a freshman, summer after my freshman year of college, I did a learning program in Boston. She was working for the Boston Federation, I think, doing education stuff there. Cool. She did a workshop with us on how to give it to our Torah. She, That's the, awesome. What I remember from that presentation is don't end a Devar Torah with Hebrew Menu, Amen. And, <laughs> and I never have. I never have. Uh, and then, skip ahead a few years, I was a rabbinic intern at the Kentville Synagogue, which is oh. the Brown Family Synagogue, and she was a really important, influential member of the congregation. And... and uh, uh, took me and Sarah aside and offered some really helpful advice on on what it means to do education in the synagogue context, um, and uh, sort of yeah, that's really um, hmm. really excited to. I thought you ended Dvartoro with Kaddish Durbanan. <laughs> Please rise from the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I like the. It's like it's like um, it's like the gymnast gymnast that has to like nail the ending. You know, that's what mm-hmm. I feel good. Like that's what everyone remembers. You're like a chilling coda. You just want yeah. to like leave them. Yeah, like, it's, it's called a mic know, drop. A yeah. mic drop. Yeah, except yeah. there's no mic, so you're just like the please rise from Mosaf. And no, just I just stunned, I just stunned. mime it. You mime it. Okay. Yeah. You, what you haven't seen my sermons? <laughs> not not enough. I, I, I maybe I missed the hand gestures, but uh, oh, I'm speaking. It's my uh, this Shabbat. Yeah. Is your last 
Russia at Anshay Shalom. In my formal role as, as a shul employee. Yes. Right, right, right. <laughs> if you ever need a guest lecture. <laughs> that we can talk about. We can talk about that. We're no longer working for the shul. But for as a shul employee, as an official dresha, that's very exciting. And, yeah. Uh, Mm. Uh, wow! Wow! That, that's um, any reflections as you prepare. I, I know. I know you don't yet have a topic. Yes, which is totally fine because oh, it's gosh. only Monday. But um, uh, yeah, what's what, any reflections on the experience of speaking, teaching Torah in that setting, in that venue at our shul? Uh, yeah, we've also like talked about this a little. I think about like what it means to prep a sermon, and is it my favorite type of teaching or not? And I don't know. I find it. I find it sort of difficult because of the lack of uh, interaction with your audience. I like Torah to be created in the space between me and the learner when I'm in the position of teacher. So like the space in between is really important what gets put there. So here it's just me putting mm-hmm. words out there. On the other hand, it's it's kind of it's kind of powerful. It's it's really cool. It's just uninterrupted time of you addressing people and it's like here here's the Torah that touched me this week and is moving my heart this week. And that's kind of that's kind of awesome. The moments when people say to me that was exactly like that was exactly what I needed to hear. Those are that's when I find the drusha spot to be very very powerful because, right? They were that's they weren't that creating wow, with you. Uh, it yeah. has. I mean, it's happened a couple times, yeah. and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's really great. Oh, so this does it works, right? I don't you don't as a teacher, it doesn't. I can't exactly feel out necessarily, especially in a large room, like how my yeah. words are going it over. It was an interactive shiur. We were yeah. all like working you through a text. And you can riveted, say, are they, do they have comments? Are they asking questions that indicate yeah. that they understand what you're trying to say? And yeah. you, you get that instant feedback in the sermon. You don't get the instant feedback. You sort of, you can look out across the room and you see them dozing off sometimes. Or you see them nodding. Like that, that, like that helps, right? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, that definitely helps. Like the not, yeah. dozing off is not so great. Um, <laughs> that doesn't happen to you. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you don't have the same type of feedback, but yeah. it is a tremendous privilege to have yeah. eight to twelve minutes of people's attention. Just, yeah, sharing Torah from the heart. That that's it's really a privilege. So, um, that that's uh... and it's been really great. I guess I can just say, as like someone who's heard you give Jewish Torah, it's been a real privilege to me because I don't get to like one of the real um, I don't want you to call it like the downsides of my professional role is I don't get to hear great sermons very often, hardly ever. And and uh, the last one you gave I loved. And it was just, I don't know, it was like, a, I just, I oh, felt thank like, you. I felt, I think I told you. I yeah, think you I did. Okay. It's very good, sweet. Right. But I, I just, it was a great, like, oh yeah, it's like, I, I miss this. I love like a good Russia. I was like, <laughs> terrific. And I, I never get to hear a good Russia anymore. And like, I was, so I really appreciated it. And uh, so I'm grateful for that. And so I'll miss, I'll miss you. You're very, in that role, it's a very, um, I have a great talents for that. And it's, um, thank it's you. appreciated in the congregation. So. I'm eager to hear what topic you, you know, teaches, speaks to your heart this week, uh, what you find in, in the Torah. Um, yeah, come to shul, people. Come to shul, people. <laughs> yeah. Perennial, perennially good advice. <laughs> um, so we, we had a very lengthy conversation this morning that we did not record. It got rather intense. We <laughs> talked about the news of the week and abortion rights in question in the United States and how that resonated with us as religious Jews. Um, yeah. you know, with hearts and minds and bodies living in America. And um, it was a, I found a very powerful conversation, a compelling conversation, not a conversation for recording, not a conversation <laughs> for, uh, for a podcast. Uh, I thought it w- would be possible and appropriate to share uh, just like one facet of this story, which I think is so important for our community to be aware of and to be um, really like active about. And that's the way in which um, the sort of legal regime under mm-hmm. which abortion functions in the United States is very, very connected 
to assisted reproductive technology, especially IVF mm-hmm. and related procedures by which, I don't know, I feel like half the shul is like came into the world that way. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know, it's, maybe it's exaggerating a little bit, but only a little bit. I see like yeah. the kids jumping up on the Dima <laughs> for Don Alam and, and we know. lollipops. And like some of them I know, like a lot of them I know and some of them I don't know, but uh, surely some of those as well are like here on this earth. Um, because like, of a, right, reproductive yeah, like the chesed of Hashem and, and the skill of fertility specialists. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that that whole industry developed, um, uh, you know, I think I think in the eighties, right? You know, so it's mm. like well after uh, Roe v. Wade was decided, and mm. and the industry just functions, you know, with that presumption that you know frozen embryos don't have legal status as people, and they can be, you know, used for this for this procedure, and they can be discarded if it's for you know at the whim of the parents, and mm. um, that when mistakes happen, it's not you know the stakes are it's, it's a financial. Um, civil, you know, kind of issue to be resolved, not anything criminal. Uh, and uh, I, I've spoken to physicians uh, who are really worried about their mm-hmm. ability to uh, engage in this life-creating form of medicine uh, without, with, you know, with a radically changed legal regime, which it seems yeah. is coming in, in certain states. Yeah, right. And it's just emphasizing the point that, right, the, that kind of intervention is, is certainly supported by halakha, yeah, right? And, yeah. and especially in the kiyum of a mitzvah, right? Yeah, that it's... A mitzvah. We saw the mitzvah of procreation of Piravu really emphasized in, uh, in Daf Yomi, uh, and the, the, the uh, sort of a associated mitzvah of Lashevet Yetzirah, that God created the world yeah. for human habitation and human beings, whether or not they're Jewish or, and, are, and subject to mitzvah, are, are still supposed to be uh, uh, in, engaged in filling the world um, with, uh, with people or at least renewing the population of people in the world. Yeah. Uh, and, and we really embrace that. It, it's sort of interesting. There's a, I, I, I'm not going to quote the person who said this to me because I might be remembering it wrong and I remember who said it to me, but uh, the quote is something like, Christians approach medical ethics from the perspective of Genesis and Jews uh, approach medical ethics from the perspective of Leviticus. Mm. Uh, and I think what they meant was that we um, are not as, we're not invested really at all in questions of, like what is, I don't know. Like the I think the Catholics get very you know focused on you know uh, natural procreation. That there's like a natural way that was mm. created by God in Gan Eden, and we should like replicate that in our family lives. And so mm. they're opposed to contraception. They're opposed to most forms of assisted reproductive technologies because uh, they feel that that Genesis model of like the, like the narrative of Genesis is a is sort of somehow has this force, this normative force of how supposed to live and we you know we follow the mitzvah in the torah that came at harsinai and so we mm-hmm. look to them for guidance the torah says we should uh, try to have children the torah mm-hmm. doesn't say you know you know pretend you're adam and chava it doesn't tell there's no mitzvah <laughs> to do that um uh, they certainly made choices we didn't make they weren't jewish yeah. right so we, we have other guidelines I, I think i don't know if it's true anymore but at least at one point there was a there was um a statistic that every major religion on earth was opposed to cloning for purposes of human reproduction, except for, except for Jews, <laughs> who were not. I'm not saying cloning is a good idea, and I'm not endorsing. <laughs> I'm not saying you know, but but like there have been like there no no post can have condemned human cloning, and uh, I think there have been some who said, yeah, look, if this is a way that's gonna for whatever circumstance and for whatever reason, this is gonna be the best way for a Jewish person to fulfill the mitzvah peruvu of appropriating, then then they should then every technology should be should be harnessed for that for that purpose, and uh, yeah. Right, and I think the another offshoot of this we were talking about is um, IUD, right, intrauterine devices that uh, that are 
contraceptives on the side of a woman, which are, are, are more halakhically condoned than, than even as there, there are places that condone, <laughs> there are situations where, um, male contraceptives are also permissible. Correct. Um, yeah. but, uh, just, just for everyone to know, but, um, <laughs> in general, the more, the yeah, more gen- common right. approach. The, the, halakhic, the halakhic consensus is yeah. to, pref- is, is that it's to prefer methods of contraception that are, uh, that are done by the woman that, that rather right. than barriers, um, or, or condoms, for example. Right. And, and, uh, Although those two have been endorsed by postgame, right. are appropriate in certain circumstances, but in, in general, you know, the, the more preferred ones are, are not that, and and, and, uh, and that family planning is permissible in, uh, for a number of reasons. In the Gemara, we saw that, also, yeah, right. in, in the Gemara, the Gemara itself, up to modern times, endorses family planning for various reasons, right. uh, and 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 a lot of halakhic scholars will endorse. It. I mean, the IUD, like it's, it's, from what I understand, it's it's only recommended if you are not planning on having children for like a period of time of around five years, but for uh-huh. people who are in that... Again, which, I'm not an expert on this. Uh, so that's... <laughs> I'm not an expert. I speak to your doctor, speak to your doctor, or if exactly. you have a lot of questions, speak to us uh, in private. Don't listen to, don't get a lot of guidance from a podcast, but mm. um, it's recommended mainly for people in that situation. They're not going to have a child for five years. Maybe they're done having children or they're spacing a little bit longer or whatever, mm. whatever it might be. Um, but for people for whom it works, it's like very helpful for Orthodox uh, couples because it can... It prevents NIDA status for five years, right? Which is uh, I think huge. there are also non-hormonal options which are helpful for women who who are, have side effects from right. hormonal birth if control the, right. and yeah, yeah. Um, and there's and and we're saying this because there's legislation maybe on the books or pending yes. or being discussed in Louisiana in a post row. <sighs> Uh, legal regime which could uh, make IUD use uh, impossible or, or place restrictions on it, like the preferred method of birth control for like yeah. huge segment of the Orthodox community is going to be you know legally uh, yeah. kind of um, uh, restrained, and that that's like a, I don't know that's a. Uh, I want to bring up something else, but we didn't discuss it before, so now great. I'm okay, worried. let's hear it. I'm ready. No, I just like I'm thinking about cases in which in this stuff that is this like a frame. Like I, I mean, I, I think about this a lot as a as a young woman and as a. Like I, I, the the social online community that I'm a part of is talks a lot about these issues even before this was on the docket and before the leaked uh, Supreme mm. Court um, uh, opinion and uh, I don't know I just like n- now I I'm seeing a lot of posts about it and some of it you know I make sure to research and not to take things at face value obviously um, but at po- <laughs> sometimes uh, and th- there are cases when when abortion is healthcare. Um, like ectopic pregnancies, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. So that's also been on my mind a lot of like just providing care for women is on is 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 what's at stake. Yeah, sort of It's sort of like it's, it's, it's like it's it's um, incomprehensible. And I to know people meaning like with all these yeah. things, I know people who've gone through IVF. Yeah, yeah. I know people who who've had ectopic pregnancies that were dangerous yes. and and needed to be removed. And I I know a, I know a um, like close yeah, people. I, I, to I know me. I know a couple who had whose first pregnancy was an ectopic pregnancy. So yeah. That, an abortion was absolutely necessary to save the life of this pregnant woman, right. and they have gone on to have uh, many, many children. <laughs> this is a very fertile yeah. Baruch Hashem uh, family, mm. uh, but that would not have been possible if that, you know, if, like if God forbid, like this mother had died, you know, um, from that first uh, pregnancy. And it's 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 like unfathomable that that could happen in a like a in a country that has hospitals and operating rooms. And, it's like, already a very high maternal death rate in the United States for yeah. a developed country. Yeah, yeah. Um, and rising, and rising. It's yeah. higher than it was uh, 20 years ago, which is a very, very 
demoralizing and, so, and, and scary. Yeah, no, that, that's so. It. From all of this, it's like halacha has what to say, and it's in in a lot of nuance on this topic, and it's not one sided. It's certainly not black and white, and on either side that people might want to depict on social media or to inflame opinion. You know, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just I think people should realize it's not just about like if you I don't know for if for ethical reasons you don't you know like in. You don't feel that abortion is something that you would choose for yourself, you know, for ethical reasons, which is, you know, for Doesn't religious reasons, it, whatever. Yeah. They're actually people very much like you with who share your values, who, um, who, whose lives are impacted by restrictions on abortion in cases and where Allah requires it, right? <laughs> if, if, if the mother's life is, 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 is threatened in a very, like, direct way sometimes, and, and uh, as well as for assisted reproductive technology, which yeah. is, again, like, very, that, that is not subject to halakhic, uh, this is a lucky debate about Jewish identity. Is it the sure. you know who 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 determines yeah. if the offspring is Jewish? Is it the gestational mother or the egg donor? Like, that, that's like I a, think Rabbi Lindsay just posted a oh, chuva really? about that. Okay, that's like a big, uh, <laughs> like a short video chuva. Oh, okay. yeah. Everyone has opinions on that. That's like a major um, a, a major subject of halakhic controversy. But there is no, as far as I'm aware, there is no uh, mainstream halakhic position on any segment of orthodoxy that is opposed to assisted reproductive technologies of the type that came into existence in the 80s and 90s and spread in recent years and are just assume like all the clinics as they operate they're just assuming that um you know a sort of a post roe v wade like legal regime and and they're gonna have to rethink and and you know and look hopefully reasonable <laughs> legislation will protect them but like that until then like this is um uh, this is a very very um i don't know maybe it's a minor facet of this whole story uh, and there are like big issues that affect you know millions and millions of people but our little community um like <laughs> We have also we also have like a. It's a small piece of the existential dread that this <laughs> issue has dredged up for many women across but the country. Even a small piece of existential dread <laughs> is still worth paying attention to. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm not downplaying it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think like as a as a political stance, our community then has a question. You know, but, you know. The, again, I'm not. I don't want to presume that the listeners of the podcast are of one mind on on abortion. I, I would just say. From one spectrum, one end of the spectrum, you have what was, I believe, the major orthodox approach in the 80s into the 90s, even at the time that Casey was decided in the early 92, the major orthodox, like Aguda, the OU, like the major orthodox organizations, their position was um, what was on, on, on behalf of, on the side of abortion rights, because if the state stays out of it, then orthodox women can ask their yes. post game and you know, do what they either have or not have abortions right. based on what their posts can tell them. That, and that, they felt that was our narrow interest as a small religious minority. We want the right to practice our religion with as little government encumbrance as possible. And so the government stay out of it. And then we can impose our values on our right. community through education and persuasion. Right. And we want Orthodox women to be able to ask their postkim and follow what their postkim say. And if there's mm-hmm. no, if the legal regime is open, then they can, then they can do that. That was, you know, that, that's, I think, a less common it's position like- now. Uh, but I think that position had a lot of merit. I'd say the counterexample. Let's say you take a case like, um, you take a place like uh, maybe less less uh, controversially, a place like India or China, where there's some data that suggests that abortion is used as a way to eliminate girls from prevent girls from being born by mm-hmm. families who want to have only one or two children and they want them to be boys. And you know, so so the abortion is a tool of really like kind of replicating misogyny in a in a way that you know is both immoral and is also um, like harmful it's harmful for, to society, harmful society as a whole. right? You know, right for the for the survival of, of that society. So you can imagine, like a you know, it, it, we, we you know we as a we will forgo our freedom so that you know society as a whole can regulate this really harmful practice because so that's other not people what's are, happening. That's just not what's happening here. 
Yeah, I, I, don't I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I just think that's the, that's the in the abstract. I'd say that would be the, the political question. The political question is: Do we um, want to advocate for the rights, our rights, to be as unfettered as possible, so that we can make the choices we think are right for ourselves, or are we willing to advocate for restrictions on our own rights if we see um, that right being misused by others around us? So I'm not. I'm not saying that is the case here, uh, yeah. but, I, but I think that would be the way to maybe frame the question. Maybe that's how others. Maybe that's how people are seeing mm. it. Uh, but uh, I, I, it's a fraught, fraught question, and there's a lot more to be said and studied, and uh, uh, and, and I'm sure in, you'll, you'll be hearing a lot you know, from others, <laughs> and maybe from us as well, uh, about this in the coming uh, weeks, in the coming in the coming months. So it's not too early to get excited about Shavuot, the mm-hmm. best holiday of like to be in Lakeview. It's like Lakeview shines in Shavuot, maybe like no other day. Shavuot, usually there's no snow. Mm. Um, that's really <laughs> nice. Uh, Shavuot, uh, the congregations come together and study Torah together, learn Torah together, hosted by Anshe Emet. It is such a thrilling, um, you know, like event. Hundreds, and, and I hope this year. It was really fun to teach at. Yeah, well, yeah. And last, it will last, be. Yeah, it will, even, yeah, even more so. Even more so. It's, it really, like, each There'll year, be better food this year. Better food this year, more people, I hope. Uh, more, <laughs> more food, more people. Yeah. It's just, it's more just people, like, more food priorities. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really uh, it's exhilarating to be together with so many other people who don't, who do, who don't necessarily know from your everyday life. They're not people just from your little corner of the Jewish community whom you see yeah. regularly. And you get to learn with them and learn from them and teach. And, and it's, I, I just love it to have a big audience. That, like, yeah. I, I usually don't, New, yeah. students. <laughs> new students, new voices yeah, in new the voices, room, new response. Yeah, yeah. So mm. uh, I, I want to like just set your plans now. Like arrange for childcare, maybe. Like just try try to spend the night at um, 10 p.m. Like, on Shemit. Starting at 10 p.m., going through till four, and then we get you know we walk back to Anche Shalom, which is a fun uh, you know it's like a Saturday night Sunday morning. So like we'll be uh, I guess the the bars will be closed closing as we leave Anche uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, to walk back to our shul. We have a nice uh, efficient. Uh, early morning uh, shakri. Then we have a regular tefillah at a regular time, <laughs> and then we, we are in the in mid planning of a um, a kiddush barbecue on the second day of Shavuot. We have well, well on the first day we're gonna have a uh, kids like tikkun, like a kids learning program with parallel tracks for kids from ages three to six, and then from second grade to fifth grade. And then we'll have our infamous, uh, famous, exciting, fun happy hour at Windy City. Um, enjoying our dairy desserts, um, and then you know, uh, playing together as a community, enjoying hopefully good weather, uh, Torah, good weather, and ice cream. What's better? Mm-hmm. And then on the second day, second day, uh, a barbecue for, for those who, who find <laughs> this, you know who get tired of milchigs. Uh, we're gonna have a barbecue. It's I like, am not tired of milchigs. <laughs> I'm allergic to red meat. I will not go into <laughs> eating, but I, I but it should be, it should, be uh, it should be fun. There will uh, also be vegetarian food at the barbecue. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be one of the nice things about Yantif is that you can transfer fire. So we have a pilot light right uh-huh. in the shul kitchen, so we can use the pilot light to light a candle. We use the candle to ignite a barbecue, and then we can grill. And that is really like it's a nice way to take advantage. Like the Torah said, like you know, right, that you're supposed to have you know rejoice on the holidays, and the Torah relaxed some of the restrictions that exist on Shabbos. So I think this is like we're taking advantage of the Torah's permission to cook on Yantif, and we're gonna should be really a nice feast. And um, but. With, with a lot of people. So please, Lots you know. Lots of people. We'll have dessert together also. And then in the afternoon, we're going to have uh, our women's Shavuot celebration, which will be really nice. Um, we'll have Rabbanit Walkenfeld teaching. 
Oh, fun. Um, <laughs> you knew this. I didn't know that. She's using our you house. You knew this? She's teaching at, uh, it's going to be at Shul. Okay. It's Shul. We're going to okay. have a, uh, hopefully a women's tefillah mincha and okay. a laying of root and, uh, and Rabbanit Walkenfeld teaching. She's going to teach on Torah technologies. What did we receive on Shavuot? Ah, that's nice. I've, I've, uh, You've heard that share? I've not heard the share. I've, I've, I've read I've seen the I, notes? I've read part of the source sheet. So it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's really, really, it's an interesting Gemara that she's going to talk about. And it's a topic that she's been uh, focused on for a while. So. Yeah, so it seems it's going to be a packed, nice Shavuot full of learning and food and community. Yeah, so make your plans to join us for Shavuot. Don't go visit family. Bring your family here for Shavuot. Uh, it's really it should be a really really great uh, a great. And time. of course, all of our groups, you know. And the groups, the groups yes. as normal. Yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for listening to the Straw Hat podcast. Please send us your feedback or ask any questions, and look forward to seeing you around Shul. <laughs>